Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show brought to you with West Yorkshire Electrical. Wires, roofs, they do the lot. WYelectrical.co.uk for details. Fully accredited electrician. He's got wires in it. They'll work with it. They've got their own team of roofers now because they specialise in renewables. So they can do your solar panels, your battery storage, your EV charger, all that stuff. Their own team of roofers means that they can look after your roof as well once they've put your solar panels on. And they also do roofing work quite separate to solar panels as well. So look them up. WYelectrical.co.uk for details on your socials as well. Phil, hey. Hello. Uh, we are recording. It's 5pm on Saturday. We've got together. You've you've popped in on the way back from, from Huddersfield and we've just witnessed a last-minute winner for Southampton on a day, another day of championship pandemonium, really. I mean, like... Yes, not- I, I have been sat here watching you go, yes, get in. Oh, fuck, bollocks. Yeah, <laughs> back and back forward. You, you needed them. You needed a good roof in Huddersfield today. The weather was minging. Yeah. Speaking of minging, there was that first half as well. It wasn't great, was it? I mean, today's not been a great day for Leeds, but it's a fairly disastrous day for Leicester, losing at home to QPR, because uh, the results, as we know, 3-4, um, Birmingham, Southampton. Leicester losing 2-1 at home to QPR off just yeah. two shots on target. And Ipswich winning at Plymouth. It's it's asking questions of Leicester, which I think they would have hoped that they weren't going to get asked at this stage. It wasn't that they played badly at Ellen Road, but they still lost the game, and it kind of made a title race of a, of a title race that could have been over had they had they won that. Um, and then this reels them back in. I mean, it helps obviously that that Leeds have, have dropped points away at Huddersfield today. Southampton nicking that goal, they really needed that. That gets them back in it, and Ipswich just keep Ipswich just keep hanging in. Don't they? I mean, you've been just talking. Not, re- we just will not go away at Ipswich. Yeah, you've been talking in recent weeks about Southampton being the threat to the top two, but Ipswich, they're defying, not defying the odds necessarily, but defying the parachute payments, if that's the way you want to look at it. Definitely doing that. Yeah. I mean, they, they are the, the one club who are kind of bucking the trend of, of what's going on at the top of the league and potentially the picture of, you know, your three promoted clubs getting relegated from the Premier League, your three relegated clubs getting promoted from the Championship and, and a scenario that you wouldn't want to develop as a kind of long-term reality of, of both divisions. Otherwise, they become rather pointless. But Ipswich have had that that ropey period around about Christmas. I did say, and I must sort of caveat this by saying, I did wonder if Ipswich was starting to fall away and, and if the pace was getting to them. But I, I did say a few times that they, they had difficult, difficult games through that spell, a lot of them that, that seemed to to group together. And that little spell where they... They routed Ips, uh, routed Millwall, and then I think one away at Swansea was the right results at the right time for them. Plymouth away is a tricky game, I think, tricky fixture. Good for them to have taken three points out of that. For Leeds, you're right; it's not a great afternoon, and it wasn't a, a great game at Huddersfield. And I suppose is the kind of swinging psychology. I was um, talking a few weeks back about Southampton. You know that they'd they'd gone on this run of form, which was the best for a hundred odd years and we're still finding themselves in, in third place. And you almost have the same with Leeds now. A goal away from 
a record run of league wins today and literally the flick of the post when Somerville hit it in, in the second half. But still they are a couple of points behind Ipswich, which just goes to show how good a division it is actually at the top and, and how competitive this race is. Should Leeds have won that one on Saturday? I feel like we should have done, um, given the the way that the events unfolded. I think so. The, the game would have been very different had Somerville or Kamara taken advantage of that move in, in the, the earliest minutes of the game, which was probably actually Leeds' most fluent, fluid attacking passage of play. Somerville seemed from where I was sitting to have a lot of the net to aim for and I think if he goes back post rather than trying to go back towards the, the near post he probably gives Nichols less of a chance to say that and Farker said afterwards you know, 1-0 at that stage is very, very different and I think forces Huddersfield to think about the tactics that they were going to employ. It was massively robust. I mean, the, Johnny Cooper from Mopta tweeted in the first half to say ball in play 22 minutes out of the, I was going to say out of the 45 54 wasn't it well that's the thing it was 54 because there was so much um, so much injury time and it really felt like that it just it felt stop start in a way which is actually quite unusual you do get games that get broken up by a lot of fouls and by the referee intervening uh, but that was that was absolutely constant and because of it there was there was no flow there was no rhythm it definitely definitely didn't suit leads to to have a first half like that at all. It's kind of the idea, really, you know, the, the ball being out of play or the, or the game being stopped so so much. But I suppose you could say that Leicester tried to beat Leeds via a more cultured approach at Elland Road. Went went very close, but didn't make it happen. Huddersfield took a, an alternative tack and you can understand why, you know, they're, they're in trouble at the bottom. They're under pressure. It doesn't make a lot of sense, given the disparity between Leeds and most clubs in the division, to try and mimic Leeds' tactics and beat them at it. So I understood the the approach. I think it had a red card all over it from the early stages and it wasn't a surprise that, that Jonathan Hogg got it. And actually, Brighton Writer was saying afterwards that Hogg apologised to the dressing room because that was at, at the point where the game plan had actually just taken hold and had done the trick. You know, he, he kind of swung the balance again. And I know Farker did say in his press conference, I was a bit worried when Hogg got sent off because I thought they would then just pack in and that would make it even more difficult but it did mean that Leeds had the run of the run of things in the second half. Yeah, they'd made it a little bit uncomfortable, hadn't they? And we, we said on the match ball, like, we've got no complaints from a fan's point of view at their approach. No, not at all. It's the thing that quite often happens in football, which is that when you're a very, very good team, you want everybody to come and play and to have a go because you know that you'll turn them over if they do that. And when you're struggling or, or not such a good team or, or not in great form, you have to be pretty savvy about your tactics. And I think that's why at Ellen Road this season, we've seen what has felt like the same opposition performance over and over and over again because it's everybody trying to play the percentages a bit and trying to maximise the chances in games that they know that they're likely to lose anyway. Leicester are one of the very few. I can't really think of anybody else who's come and tried to go punch for punch in in quite the the same way. And even Leicester were using a lot of counter-attacking in in order to do that. So I, I, I got it with Huddersfield today. I think it was a good way for them of kind of engaging the crowd. Although the first half, became such a mess that the, the atmosphere was sort of lost completely. I mean, I, I've just been writing, writing piece afterwards and I was saying, if it was snooker, that would have been a re-rack that first half because it just felt like <laughs> it was going, it just felt like it was going nowhere. Yeah, that's, I really like that as an analogy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I even got the impression, I don't know, you know when, um, I think it was Ampadu who got that throw in in the first half and it was over in the sort of left back position close to the Leeds fans and where the Huddersfield, uh, Huddersfield fans sort of backed onto him over in that corner. And he seemed to just be taking a little bit of time with that as well and trying to slow it down. And I wondered if 
part of Leeds' game plan might have been actually to try and take this thing out of the crowd a little bit and for them to break it up a wee bit. So you had these two opposing forces, Huddersfield, who were trying to be a bit more industrial. Leeds were trying to just take the momentum out of the, out of the game from a Huddersfield perspective and keep the emotions in check, which made for this this kind of um, stalemate first half. Uh, it, it's, it's not a bad strategy, actually, um, but it becomes a problem if you then have long stoppages players getting treatment of which there were several including some of them after that that first tackle by by Jonathan Hogg and so you go from trying to kill the crowd and kill the atmosphere a little bit to actually just the entire game dying a death temporarily it has to be said but because there's no flow to it and none of the players can, can find any any rhythm I mean you'd be I think defensively leads pretty good today I thought Rodon and Ampadu were, were really decent at the back you would struggle to say that anybody played really, really well out with those two, I think. Where did it not work, in your opinion, then, rather than, I, rather than the, the bits that did? I thought there was a definite problem with Kamara today, or a definite issue with Kamara. He, he just, he's been really good this season, really good right the way through, and he just seemed to be a, a little bit of a yard or a, you know, a foot behind in thought in a way that, that he normally isn't. And I totally expected him to come off when, when, he, was, um, when he was replaced. There was also, I don't know how much you picked up on this, but we were talking about it constantly towards the end of the game. There was this this sort of addiction to going down the left. Yeah, when, we, we mentioned it on the match ball. Yeah, yeah. when, when the equaliser had come from James and Roberts on the right, which very made, very much made it look like the right substitutions um, in, in that position. When your fresh legs were there, when the you know you, you have the pace of James and the, and the fresh pace, pace of James, it didn't seem like there was as much willingness to feed that side of the pitch and it, it felt like going through the same routine on the left-hand side which didn't particularly seem to be working. Because they were doubling up on him we, we they, noticed. Yeah. They absolutely were and they were committing I mean we, we were looking at Roberts over and over again who was taking up these pockets of ma- massive pockets of space on the edge of the box but the ball was never coming to him apart from occasions when it did but was delivered in a way where he couldn't really do anything with it he couldn't run onto it it wasn't giving him space to go into he was having to check and, and pick it up. So some of it was kind of cul-de-sac after cul-de-sac until obviously that chance which was incredibly close and looked like typically really of what Leeds have done when they've needed it this season something out the bag because of the the quality that does lie underneath so I think I think they had enough of the game to win it I think they had just about enough chances to win it although I do I do think the weight of chances they had wasn't really reflective of the fact that they had a full half against a a team with with 10 men I reckon Huddersfield are probably feel like they dug in enough to to be worth that point. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. What was the atmosphere like in the stadium? Particularly around the referee, we noticed watching it on the TV that the referee and the officials were coming in for some stick. They got booed off at, at halftime. But actually watching it from a step removed at this distance on the telly, he got most things right, I think. The referee had a pretty good game. I thought he had a good game. It's yet another match where I just thought I, I would not choose to, to try and referee in this division or particularly try and referee a game like that. I mean, there was a lot of um, frustration around us um, at the tackle on Somerville, the studs down the back of the back of the leg. The crowd feeling like that was really soft, except when you watched it back. It's a red. Um, it's... Well, it's probably in between, isn't it? You can see occasions where that's given as a yellow. You can see occasions where that's given as a red. But it deserves to be punished. Well, well let's put it this way then. I'll, I'll ask you this question then, yeah. Phil. The original tackle on Somerville... Um, was a bad one. Yeah, yeah that got Hoggy's first yellow card. That was a hard yellow, wasn't yes. it? Because yeah, he, hard he, yellow is a good there was, it was it, no, yeah. And it was nowhere near the ball. And he did that thing where he, he was out of control off the ground and he scissored his legs. Yeah. So arguments there that maybe you get the wrong VAR in the Premier League that that becomes a red potentially so hard, let's call it hard yellow or an amber yeah. or a blue even yeah. and then yeah the, the one where he rakes down the back of his of his leg again you, you've seen those given as red yeah. cards I mean and yeah. I, in no way am I advocating for VAR I'd rather not have it um, no I, th- I think you've seen them given as yellows as well if you yeah. know what I mean so that perhaps falls into the same same category there was again you know a bit of frustration about the hog Red card. I thought I was definitely a second booking. I don't yeah. think it was any. I mean, he's, have you seen the replays of that? I have. Yeah. Did you he, see him? Because he, he took a look through an arm. Uh, he's, yeah. he's just chinned football. Yeah. yeah, he has. So it's a it's a booking. It definitely is. You're already booked. It's it's a red card. I think Ampadu's reaction to that was absolutely spot on. Which yeah. was basically, yeah, yeah, you know, off you go. That that is that is a dismissal. But I think what had happened was that because there'd been you're so, so diplomatic, you're so diplomatic, Phil. Well, yes, um, <laughs> there'd been so many decisions in the game and so many sort of flashpoints that you know how it goes, particularly with a home crowd. They start to get frustrated about about everything. He did not get everything right today, the referee. But I thought it was a pretty good performance yeah. in what was a very very hard game to a very hard game to referee because. You look for, managers tend to look for and ask officials to let games flow. But I just don't see how you let a first half like that flow because it just doesn't. No, no, it wasn't It wasn't a classic, was it? Do you think, uh, as we sort of concluded, that they made it very championshipy and we kind of got sucked into that game? We were never properly allowed to impose ourselves on it in yeah. the way that Leeds have done in, in most games. And that, and that is the way to, to frustrate us, I, I felt, when we've watched us against these teams that have packed the area earlier in the season. We've sort of struggled to undo them. It, like you say, it felt like that combined with us not making great decisions when we were in possession and when we had the man advantage contributed to us not being able to, to break them down. Their, their organisation was good, I felt, when they, when they were down to 10. I thought um, Brighton Reiter got... He didn't do anything special with them particularly, but I think he was sensible in the way that they lined up. And they were very deep as well, which meant that they weren't really... They were sort of curtailing Leeds' pace, weren't they? They weren't leaving themselves massively exposed to that. And that was exactly why... You know, Leeds equalised was because they did let Roberts in. It was a really nice cutback for Bamford and, and a really easy finish. But you know, good good play by Bamford to to put himself in that position. But I think it, I, th- I think Farker will look back at it and feel that they didn't stretch Huddersfield enough. They didn't it, they didn't go from side to side. They didn't push them on the left, push them on the right. It was 
it very much felt like you knew where Leeds were going to go, what they were going to do. It felt in periods like it was basically give it to Somerville yeah, and, and see what he does. Strongly is a bit sloppy and a little bit slow. I think so. I think so. But, you know, Farker came quite close to saying afterwards, and I do agree with this, you can't win them all. You know, barring a rigged competition, you cannot win every game. And we, When we've been chatting about Leeds, you know, where they might go and how it might go to the end of the season, the view I think of all three of us, uh, Michael, you and, and, and me, is that you could see them winning every game because they're good enough to win every game individually. But it just never happens in the Championship. And today's probably a perfect example of that. Yeah. You'd have backed them all ends up to beat Huddersfield. And Which actually, is why, I should say, done, I feel quite you know. philosophical about it. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think you have to, particularly because Leicester have lost at home to QPR. Southampton have just about got away with it uh, with the 96th minute. Ipswich have won down at, at Plymouth, but by all accounts, first goal, big deflection, you know, so a little bit of a stroke of luck. We're into that period now, aren't we? Where it's it's all happening. It is going to swing back and forward. And I think a you know, result like that today just helps to keep Leeds honest, doesn't and, it? And you know now it's starting to get a little bit um, twitchy-ass time that this is what <laughs> Farker's been referring to, isn't it? When he's saying, well, look at the table in the last five or six games of the season because you can't divorce yourself from all the stuff that goes on around you. And do you know what? If you look at it and you say, if you would have told me before today started that we would gain a point on Leicester and you go, okay, fine. And all right, you know, Ipswich have won, Southampton have won. You've just got to move on to the next game and just keep getting those points right up on the board. And what we were, I think we were saying on the match ball, or was it afterwards? But Michael was saying, you know, you could use this now maybe as the springboard. We've got the, you know, the, the, the 10 game club record victories thing. It's the monkey off the back. We can just now concentrate on, on to Tuesday, win that game and build from there game at a time. Yeah. It's a little bit like the, the tweet I always joke about with Arsenal. The sooner we get out of this competition, the Champions League, the sooner we can concentrate on qualifying for it. 10 wins in a row would have been very good. But I think the fact that Leeds have never done that, and you're talking about a club who are more than 100 years old, tells you how how it's been since the turn of the year. You know, haven't really been conceding, have been scoring goals at a really good rate, have been ticking over in a, a really impressive way. So it doesn't need to be a particular spoke in the wheel. Farker afterwards was saying that his dressing room felt a little bit like well, I definitely felt like they'd lost the game. Right. Um, but he said, you know, it, it's almost like a 5-0 defeat, which I think is probably stretching it a, a little. You know, I don't I don't imagine it would have been quite that downbeat. But certainly his impression of the players was, the, was that they were extremely disappointed by that, even though it's 28 points from 30. Um, I think that, that stung a little bit today. So he was saying he likes the attitude, he likes the ambition of players not being happy about the fact that it's, it's two points dropped out of 30. But I think as well, there was a kind of nod to the fact that there is a game on Tuesday and they're going to have to just clear their heads from this pretty quickly and, and crack on. We asked the question on the match ball, what changes would you make for Tuesday? What are you feeling? Is it is it the obvious ones? Does Roberts come in? Does Archie either push into midfield where he was really, really effective against Chelsea or does he maybe sit one out just to have a little bit of a refresher, getting ready for the running? Dan James coming in for Nonto maybe? What do you do? I feel like if Roberts comes in and I think it wouldn't be a bad thing if Roberts came in, Equally, I can see the argument for leaving Gray there. But if Roberts comes in, I would like to see Gray move into the, the centre of midfield. And I don't mean disrupt everything. So you keep, say, Gruev there, for example, and Ampadu at centre-back. But you give Gray that more attacking role, which I think, to an extent, Leeds needed today. I, I know it's Pirro on for um, for Kamara, which is not a like-for-like like swap in that area. And I don't think Pirro was particularly good when he came on. But it was still a more attacking mind in that position against the side who were really deep and you know very defensive, understandably and and for obvious reasons. I wonder if Dan James comes back in as well on on Tuesday. Whether that's a, a switch that needs to be made. I, I don't think there's a huge amount actually that needs to be done to the team on the basis of that one game. 
But he does have a squad, Farker, and this is where you you kind of have to have to use it. It was a tough afternoon for Nonto, I thought, um, along with with Kamara. He is one of and, the players, actually, is Nonto, just to concentrate on him for a second. He's one of those players who can occasionally get sucked into the emotional side of it, yeah. can't he? Like, because he's, he's only young, and for whatever reason, maybe it's just what his character's like. He just gets a he, he sometimes plays the occasion rather than the, the game. There was a little bit of that. I think the free kick that he gave away for the um, Huddersfield goal was exactly the sort of free kick that they were after all day. You know, they they were, again, sensibly looking for set pieces to try and try and expose leads in those circumstances. So you do have James. I wondered if we might have seen Matteo Joseph at some point today just because of how good it had been for him at Chelsea and he'd, he'd have had his, had his tail up. But I'm always mindful of how easy it is to say that when somebody hasn't played and you automatically assume that they would have been the solution. Yeah, as I was saying, I feel quite philosophical and quite relaxed about it. It wasn't a wasn't a great day, but there are plenty more days to come. And maybe it's just, I don't know, Farker's what Farker's saying has been happening and it's been unfolding. So maybe that's just rubbing off on me. Um and you know, why lose your shit over over one game when there are lots more to go? And we've seen the twists and turns that have unfolded in recent weeks. So no need to panic just yet. No no need to panic at all, I don't think. It, it's it's a fact that one or potentially two teams are gonna get knocked into the playoffs with really, really impressive, strong points totals this season and this I was going to say there's nothing you can do about it there is something you can do about it you can finish in in the top two the, the automatic reaction of people who follow football clubs and I'm, I'm no different you know is that when it doesn't work out for you you automatically feel frustration you need somewhere to vent that frustration I, I get the sense that this season I mean if 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 Leicester cave in from here they're going to be the exception there, there will be a lot of angst and, and gnashing your teeth down there but Which would be the, incredible, can I say? Just like as a spectacle, how to see them choke from here? How they've done that? Be, yeah, would un- be unbelievable. I've not seen that coming at all. But there are going to be a couple of clubs, most likely, who are going to have to be philosophical and rational in saying we finished in the playoffs, but it's been a really good season. Has been a really strong season, and this, you know, there's very little point when you've won nine and drawn one in picking apart the, the one draw. Yes, it could have gone differently today, but you, you start to get into the realms of kind of insisting or expecting to win every single week, which just doesn't doesn't happen. And the, and the kind of, the, the strange thing about the division this season, and this has been going on actually in the Premier League for quite a while, or, or at least on regular occasions when you've had City and Liverpool, for example, so close, that you do almost need to win every week. And if you're not winning every week, you're very much crossing your fingers that what's going on elsewhere is is helping, which it hasn't to any great degree today because I think the teams who Leeds could really have done with dropping points, Ipswich and Southampton haven't. But Leeds have had a long spell, long, long spell now where they've been turning the screw, where they've been, you know, they've been trying to put the pressure on elsewhere. So this is a weekend where it's swung around. Let's put it this way. If we get another 28 points from the next 10 games, that's 101 on the board. <laughs> so it's taking you into record-breaking territory for Leeds for a season, for a start and gives you an incredible chance at promotion if you can do that. So hold your nerve week to week, game by game. I know it's it's a boring way to approach it, but um, I've, I've had enough of losing my shit with Leeds in recent seasons, to be perfectly honest. So let's just see where this takes us, eh? I just think that today was classic Leeds away at Huddersfield where the rain's pouring and it's half past 12 on a Saturday. It was just a bit of a slog. Um, it didn't really get going. I don't... Huddersfield will be pleased with the point. I think they'll be pleased if it knocks Leeds out of their stride um, or at least the fan base will be pleased if, if that happens but I don't think anybody's coming away from that particularly thinking that was you know, you know, put it this way if Brighton Writer was to make a promotion side or a playoff side out of Huddersfield he ain't going to do it with them playing like that 
But that's absolutely not what, what they are. You only have to remember how bad they were when they came to Ellen Road with Darren Moore to understand why they're taking the approach that they are because they need points. And for them, the odd point here or there might make a really big difference. In the way that for Leeds, yes, that point today might help, but um, it's it's wins that you need in, the, in their position. I'm just looking across the season at where we've dropped points and I'm factoring in the draw against West Brom, draw against Sheffield Wednesday, draw at Hull, uh, loss at Southampton, loss at Stoke, uh, loss at Sunderland and loss at West Brom. All those teams playing stripes and we've got <laughs> Stoke and Sheffield Wednesday the next two. Right, right, there you go. There you go, well, that, that's it, folks. Um, the, 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 the only pattern that is there, really, is that so much of that is away from home, yep. isn't it? For a while, it felt a little bit like they were getting undone by clubs who were quite a way down the table and who they should be building. But really, when you factor in Hull and West Brom and Southampton, you're talking about good teams there particularly Southampton and West Brom, I think. So not a, not a massive surprise that they have dropped points to, to them. Uh, but generally, it's been been really consistent and you have to say that if they do go up automatically this season, it will have been the form at Ellen Road that's done it. Very much so. Um, so we've discussed possible changes there for Tuesday. What do you think the game's going to be like? Another attack versus defence type performance leads dominant. Yeah. 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 Um, a strange stoke. I, I, I thought it was quite a curious decision by Stephen Schumacher to leave Plymouth for... Stoke, not because I don't understand that Stoke, what Stoke have in comparison to Plymouth, and I know they're, they're more developed as a club. I know you you would mark them out as a as a bigger club. I think, and if you got if you got Stoke in order, that there, there is a, a reasonable amount of potential there. But it doesn't feel like that potential is sort of on the verge of being realised as we speak, and they've run into quite a lot of trouble and have not had a not had a great spell um, since he's gone there. It's a game. Game leads have got to win. Yeah, yeah. They, they beat Middlesbrough today uh, by two goals to nil, but their record prior to that was one, two, three, four, five, six defeats in seven games. Yeah. They beat QPR somewhere sandwiched in the middle of that who were in the same part of the table as them. So, so it's very ropey and it is so, so tight around yeah. about. I mean, particularly with QPR winning at Leicester and um, Wednesday were winning at Rotherham. I don't know whether they um, they saw that out, but it looked like they were going to... It's really, really difficult to call yeah. who's going to go down. I was going to say, you've got QPR, so they're in 19th. Well, I'll tell you what, let's go from from bottom up. Was like Sheffield Wednesday put themselves put themselves back in contention now to stay up. Uh, I think Rotherham have pretty much gone out there. They're 19 points adrift now with, uh, how many yeah. have we got to play? 11 times 3 is 30. Yeah, they're done. 33 points left to play for. Um, then you've got Sheffield Wednesday on 35. You've got Stoke on 38. Huddersfield on 38, uh, who are just outside the uh, relegation places. Birmingham 38, QPR on 38, Millwall on 39, Blackburn on 39. Blackburn have been, have been sucked into it there, haven't they, as well? Yeah, I, I feel... You God, know, and even Plymouth are only two points outside it. A, li- a little bit like the negativity wow. at Leicester. I feel like Blackburn have sort of brought this on themselves. You know, like they've made a mess of a season which wasn't ever going to be great, but looked like it was fairly in control a little while back or, or in enough control. I wonder if the upside for Farker of today at Huddersfield will be to say to the players... When we go to Hillsborough against Wednesday, you, you pretty much know what to expect. And I'm not saying that Wednesday will get stuck in in the way that Huddersfield did today. I'm not saying it'll be an identical game. But I think it might sharpen focus the minds when they go there of thinking Wednesday might have been dreadful for most of this season. But they're improving, um, as Huddersfield have been kind of, kind of improving over the past few weeks. Four wins and in five you, for Wednesday. You're yeah. absolutely not going to get a simple doddle of a win down there. Yeah, you've got to go in there and fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And maybe if you are to take a positive out of dropping points today at Huddersfield, 
it's that, yeah, you can use it as fuel for Tuesday as well and say, go out there and put that right today. Yeah, which which is exactly what they'll try and do. I think Farker can help that by mixing it up a little bit and I think he will. I think there'll be the I think there'll be the odd change. It is interesting with Archie Gray because he was so good against Chelsea in that position and everybody knows that that is his, his best position and you do feel like it, it can't be right back forever for him and allied to that the fact that you do have Conor Roberts who has already won promotion uh, won the title with Burnley has already been in the playoffs a couple of times with, with Swansea knows his way about this league 10 times over counts as a very experienced player in what is quite a, a young squad I mean he, he today he, he sort of epitomises the way in which everybody at Leeds well most people at Leeds have found a way of chipping in you know he hasn't played much but there's a goal against Leicester there's an assist today which has, has helped to get Leeds a, a point but you do also have that personality aspect of him and now that it's getting to the sharp end you can't help feeling that that is the sort of thing that you might need to cash in on at some point Fascinating times Phil Fascinating yeah, times very much so It's been a really interesting season and I can only see it getting tighter and more interesting as we go from here Let's just hope it, uh, it has a happy ending That's all I'm asking for Very not, much so It's not much is it? Very much so The, tr- the trouble is there's so many games and there's so long to go still you feel as if this is a crunch point now don't you but it really isn't nine, um, it's nine weeks yeah it's nine weeks but nine weeks is a lot of ifs and buts and podcasts of if this happens and that happens yeah. it'll all be it'll all be fine but this it has to be said as well is the sort of um, this is the fun bit of the season I was saying before Christmas you know, when you're in sort of November it's like the part of the race nobody remembers you know like a long distance race where you just got to head down and, and slog through it but this is when it all becomes very real we shall see, eh? and we'll get back together um, after the Stoke game, and we will preview the trip to Sheffield Wednesday. So, no doubt, we might do it a little bit earlier because it's the uh, the old Friday night game, isn't it? Yes. yes thank yes, thank you very much, Sky Sports. Yes, again, Be- great bunch of lads. We'll uh, we'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.